Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans. Welcome back. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're, We're going to such a difference when you're not freezing every 3.5 seconds Chris. I was just about to say I'm so happy I have working wi-fi I think mm. I may have upgraded it too by accident so <laughs> we'll see when the bill comes welcome back little criminals we have much to discuss <laughs> we do we have so much has happened I think I actually don't know what you're referring to but we always have a lot to discuss <laughs> <laughs> yeah I meant nothing in particular Okay, I was like, nothing crazy happened in the last week. Nothing really. What are you drinking? This is a... Summer's judging me because she judges healthy people. I'm not. By the way, it's very toxic. (laughs) Um, I just think it's funny that you are drinking a protein smoothie from Alfred, (laughs) and I'm sitting here with a cup of... Actually, my third cup of hot cocoa today. (laughs) You are... (laughs) A literal L. That's crazy. Any New York City super fans slash little criminals? Are you going to be doing the Macy's? Are you going to be a Macy's elf again? I wanted to, and I think Can I missed the cutoff. To come on, go back. that was the best night of my life. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hung out with the Jonas Brothers several times this year, and that was the best night of my entire life. I love how you guys walked in and you were like, we're here for marzipan. <laughs> yeah, and then I got bullied by what, what was her name? Coco. Coco. How ironic. You should be an elf with my with Mrs. Claus, my mother. Wait, is she willing to take collabs? Yeah, are you kidding? She makes all of her, she has these like high society waspy friends. And they're all obsessed with running around New York City being elves. Are you kidding? Yeah. So she'll do it. You should text her. She would love to have you as an elf. Wait, do you think that this is potentially lucrative? Because I'm hemorrhaging money right now. I mean, I don't think she's going to pay you. Oh, it's just for She fun. doesn't get paid. She just goes on TikTok. And she, oh, she just runs around New York City as, an, as Mrs. Claus. Why doesn't she do TikToks. lives and get live gifts like Carlos Solis? <laughs> I think she does. Oh. If you got I, – I don't know. I, I don't – just so everybody knows, I've decided now to not have to pay attention to young things. So I don't know how TikTok Live works, but my mom does. So if you want to go follow Real Mrs. Claus <laughs> – Yeah, we'll link her in the episode description. We will. Anyway, Summer, how was your week? What was your moment of desperation? The week was okay. It's a bit of a blur, to be honest. So I feel like if nothing stood out, that's good. But my slight moment of desperation, not anything crazy, was that Friday night, I was winding down after a long day. I had worked with the kids, and I was I was just in a lot of pain and discomfort during that class. It's only a one-hour class, but I felt like I... I felt like I was ending, um, like I was going to collapse in on myself during that class. I was just so uncomfortable and in so much pain. And I finally made it through. I get home 
you know, fix myself up. And just as I'm about to retire for the evening, it's about 9.30 or 10 o'clock, I watch a little movie and I'm ready to get into bed. And what do I hear but the distinctive sound of a finance bro stomping up my stairs in the hallway. Oh no, not a finance bro. fee fi fo fum And not one finance bro, not two, but probably five or six. And they were <gasps> the six of, uh, the first six of, I want to say, probably 50 people that ended That's up- the most terrifying thing in all of New York City is a finance bro. Oh, By yeah. the way, if you guys don't know. Oh yeah. And- I'm guessing it it had to have been just so many people down the end of the hall for this rager that apartment 17 threw at 10 o'clock at night. Just Those as apartments I'm are small. No, they combined 17 and 18, so they have a massive apartment. Okay. But that was terrible for me. And I know it was a birthday party because <laughs> as soon as like... <laughs> My head hit the pillow and I'm like, I got to just tune this out. I got to tune this out. I hear in actually like perfect synchronization, happy birthday. Like they sounded amazing. Maybe they weren't finance bros. Maybe they were Broadway performers. No, I'm pretty sure I heard the name Todd and I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. It was just like, man, do you remember the time when like it was so distinctly Murray Hill and no, I, he was getting on the Metro North. Yeah, you know what? You're night. right. You're right. <laughs> and somewhere around, I want to say one o'clock, I think they moved the party because I heard a parade of elephantine footsteps <laughs> trudging down the stairs and suddenly everything died out. But it started at like 930 or 10 o'clock. Todd, if you went to a birthday party this week... <laughs> This is your tape. <laughs> this is your tape. <laughs> oh God, it was it was really really rough. Um, and I have trouble sleeping anyway, so I was really looking forward to like a nice calm night. I was tired, and so for them to keep me up with their rager that I wasn't even invited to was rather disappointing. Um, but I survived. If you're gonna be that loud in your apartment, then you have to just knock on all the doors and be like, hey, do you want to come? Honestly, you're right. Because I feel like this party was not confined to their massive apartment. I think it was bleeding out into the hall with how loud they were being. There's no way. I I imagine they had to be at least by the stairs because of how clearly I was hearing these people's conversations. No, that's really, and that that hallway's so small. Yeah, it, it just, it was very rude, I thought. Todd, you're on our list. <laughs> it is it is Rex Vandekamp and Todd. God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, what about you, Christy? What was your moment of desperation this week? My moment of desperation was last night because, okay, I like to be in bed by like 10 o'clock, 28 days out of the month. Yeah. Two days I will reserve for going out and having a good time. Other than that, I am in bed at 10 p.m. Right now I'm reading Barbara Streisand book, my magnesium drink by my side, my humidifier on. <laughs> that sounds so nice. <laughs> it is so nice. I'm very excited to do it tonight. But I went to my friend's comedy show last night. I was like, yeah, I'll go because last weekend I was fully nonverbal. I 
did not do anything. I was like, I'm, I'm tired. Like, I think I was still exhausted from like you guys being there and going to Utah. So I was like, no, like I'm, I'm in, I'm in for the weekend. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. That'll be fun. Night before I like went out with my friend. So I was just like, oh, I can't believe I have to go out again. But whatever. The show started at 10 p.m. So we all went to dinner first at Osteria La Buca in West Hollywood. Great meal. If you like Italian food, I recommend it. So we went to the show and it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, so the girl who I'm friends with, she did great. She's very, a very funny performer, but she was also the very first one. And what it was, it was like characters. So everybody came out and like they had three characters that they made up and it was like a character showcase kind of thing. So hers were great. And then we just had to sit there and watch everybody else. There was maybe one other performer who I was like, okay, this is, she's really good. All three of her characters were amazing. Like, I really enjoyed the performance. Everybody else was so bad. And I want to be an honest person. I'm not going to sugarcoat something in case any of them end up listening to this. You know who you are. Quit comedy. (laughs) Quit comedy now. Quit comedy now. It was so bad. There was, and the show was supposed to end 10 50 p.m you know when i was there i lights went up at 11 30 what immediately we got up and amalia and our other friend were like call the uber call the uber call the uber i want to go home i want to go home i wanted to be at home in bed by 11 30 it was so bad this one girl her character was just standing on her head she was doing a headstand and, and making jokes. No, that sounds like a, it would slay. Just doing a headstand and doing bad stand-up comedy. So it's not really stand-up comedy. It's head-stand-up comedy. Yes, which I get. I get the pun. I get it. But the whole assignment was to make up characters. And a lot of them didn't do that. So I hope none of them quit their day job. <laughs> And it was miserable. I'm so sorry. There's nothing like that. <laughs> like just sitting there in the theater. Like when it, when it's just, you just know this is going to be a bad show. And it's like this. Been there. Needs to end. And it just didn't. And one of the performers wasn't even physically there. I sent you a video of her. They, she was, she, I guess, I don't know what happened. Maybe she had COVID. I don't know. But she sent in like her three characters. So we had to watch it on a screen. And I was like, this has gone over. 30 minutes at this point, 40, actually, we're over the line. We're 40 minutes longer than this should be. Why don't you cut this person if she's not there? Yeah, seriously. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I just disassociated in the theater. (laughs) I I was just not there. I was like, I can't. And you can't even like the theater is so small. I, as a performer myself, I feel uncomfortable just sitting there stone faced because I know how awkward it is when you're not getting actually I don't know what it's like to be awkward when you're not getting laughs because I always get one (laughs) because I'm funny and they're not in my mind I was watching Desperate Housewives speaking of Desperate Housewives we are covering season one episode 17 today shall we get into it let's get into the episode now this episode is called there won't be trumpets. Do you understand the Sondheim reference? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> you know what we should start? Okay. We should start 
starting right now, I'm going on IMDb. We need to start seeing who wrote the episode because every episode we're like different writer. Rex is nice. I have that in my notes. We have so far, me too. And we have so far 17 episodes in and we have not made note about who wrote any of these episodes. So starting now, we're going to see. And the writer of this episode was John Pardee and Joey Murphy. So I guess two men, they are Rex sympathizers. (laughs) Rex sympathizers (laughs) is crazy. (laughs) All right. Well, we open on nighttime at the coma ward at the hospital where Juanita Solis had been dreaming steadily for five months. Now, I do have a hard time keeping track of the actual progression of time in this show. So it has now been revealed to be five months since the Andrew incident uh, with Juanita Solis. And we see her sit straight up in bed. I wrote, (laughs) I feel like I've seen Christy do this. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Like she shoots right up. (laughs) I don't usually. But no, sometimes I does. have to. Oh, I was like, I've <laughs> done that maybe once. Once or twice. So Juanita is thinking of this dream where she tells Carlos exactly what happened with Gabby and how uh, she saw her with John Rowland. And Juanita is hustling about and looking for somebody to talk to. And she ends up falling down the stairs. Yikes. This whole scene, this is another like iconic Desperate Housewives scene that I remembered immediately is so funny. It is just so vaudeville because it's like no, nobody who's been in a coma for five months is going gonna to shoot out of bed like they took a 20 minute power nap and run, run around the hospital. Like your legs might be a little jello, you know, you might stumble around. No. She just jumped out of bed. She's running around this hospital. She rips out the IV at some point. I hopped out the bed at Sacred Heart with my coma stuff in hand. That was beautiful. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so she like rolls down the stairs, which is truthfully, I mean, none of nothing in this scene is realistic at all. That's why it's funny. Yeah, it's a cartoon. But I just... Yes, it's very cartoonish. I just don't think she would have died just falling down half a flight of stairs. If she's strong enough to jump out of bed and run around a hospital, I don't think that would have killed her, but I think that's why it's funny. Yeah, we've seen her obviously go through worse, but the real kicker of this scene is that the nurse turns around, she's like smoking or something, and she sees Juanita and she rushes over to her, and Juanita is like, Tell my son (laughs) that his wife cheated on him. And Juanita dies and the nurse takes out her headphones. (laughs) No, it is so good. Like It is just the funniest, weirdest scene. I just could imagine being Lupe. Never remember her last name. Rest in peace. Just like opening the script and reading that. I'd be like, this is, this is so crazy. So then we get to Susan. She's working. She is a working woman. She's doodling her little il- children's book <laughs> illustrations. She's working hard on her doodles. <laughs> and um, 
Mary Alice's whole spiel right now is about heroes. That's the theme of this episode is like being a hero is what I noticed. She sees Mike walk across the street coming to talk to her. And she has all of these like daydreams about him like whisking her away and making out with her and stuff. And then in reality, he knocks on the door and she does her cute little crawl. And he's like, Susan, everything you need to know is in this letter. And he just slips it under the door and she just grabs it. And he goes, could have waited till I left to do that. And she's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at him, talk to him, but she secretly loves him. That moment made me laugh out loud because <laughs> it was just so like, Susan, where's your common sense? <laughs> That's why we love Susan. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm not here. I'm not here. Oh, what's this? He's like, could have waited. <laughs> but that's why he loves her so much, because she's quirky. She's so quirky. She gives Jessica Day a run for her money. Jessica Day wishes she was Susan Mayer. Hello. No, I, I'm... Sorry, I was testing my mic. <laughs> it didn't look like it was working. Wait, it was like that Melania Trump. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I just channeled Melania Trump. In the next scene, we see Andrew getting lit in his car, definitely smoking as much weed as he could possibly get his hands on. His eyes are bloodshot. The car is filled with smoke and a little knock, knock, knock on the window. And the security guard is like, you can't be doing that over here. And Andrew, as ever, is the worst person on this show, uh, barring his father. <laughs> and he <laughs> gets expelled two months before graduation. Shockingly, Rex is upset and obviously Well, you're, you're not saying why he gets ex- expelled. He drags the, the gym teacher. Is he the gym teacher? Oh, no, he's the security guard. Oh, he's a security guard. Like, he's like, has like his arm in the car or like oh, yeah. something. He's like attached to the car. And yeah. Andrew drives off, and he, like, drags him <laughs> Andrew has a bad habit of doing that. I just don't understand why Bree and Rex would let him drive again after um, running over a woman. Revoke all of his privileges. Cut his license up. That's really not safe for the community. Bree has all of these brochures for different youth detention centers. And here's my thing, wishy-washy Rex Bandicamp. He's like... Uh, I don't want to do that. I'm not sending my son away. (laughs) All I could think about in this moment was Paris Hilton because these are the kind of places she was sent away to. Yeah, exactly. They were really abusive, but I think Andrew kind of deserves that. My next note is, oh God, Lynette's kids are terrible. I meant this because they are presenting a little school play type of thing in the classroom and they're terrible actors, which means that the actors are actually very good actors if they're acting poorly. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but also their play was giving Thanksgiving a little bit. So for all of our American listeners, very on schedule for us. Look at that. Right. And then we see one of the moms doing ASL with her daughter. Uh, It's Marley Matlin. Always. Always her. Only she's the- only deaf actress in Hollywood. She gets so much work. I wrote representation, but honestly, is it if Marley Matlin is the only one getting the jobs? <laughs> Porter and Preston Thanksgiving play, and Lynette's like, oh, look at this deaf woman. I'm going to become friends with her. 
But I feel like, okay, I feel like it was like a sympathy friendship. Like she's like, oh, I'm going to be your friend. It's like just because she's deaf doesn't mean (laughs) she needs your friendship. (laughs) Yeah. Like it felt a little performative to me. My thing with this was like Lynette, the way she was actively trying to be this deaf woman's friend, I was like, would would you be so adamant about this friendship if this was a hearing woman? Um, so then we see what Carlos and Gabby are up to. Obviously, since we started with Juanita, they don't have the D story this week. So this was such an upgrade from their little porta potty disaster. Um, but Carlos is like, hey, guess what? The DA or whatever doesn't have a good case against me, so I'm not going to jail. And Gabby's like, oh, my God, thank God. And he goes, well, we have to sell the house to pay for the lawyers. Um, And she's like, no. And then he is saying that he doesn't want to take a plea bargain, which would just put him in jail only for eight months. And then I didn't really understand the financial situation because wouldn't you have to pay the lawyers anyway? But for some reason, they get to keep the house if he takes the plea bargain. Jail for eight months is not unreasonable. And my thing... Especially when you're guilty. And that's what Gabby said. She's like, you're guilty of sin. Yes, Just that's go exactly to jail for it. a few months. That's exactly it. That's when they get the call about Juanita. And you see Gabby is happy again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she kind of just smirks. She goes, oh, Juanita's dead. Okay. They continue on with this scene. And Carlos is obviously, like, very distraught over Juanita's passing. And he literally says to Gabby, she loved you. I wrote, Carlos, come on. <laughs> like, you, you know that's not true. It's like, Now yes, you're just lying to her face. Respect the dead, but call it what it was. She hated <laughs> Gabby. She literally told you that, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, they're picking out the funeral arrangements. And he goes, she was a queen. I need to spend thousands and millions of dollars. And Gabby's like, no. But she's also very, um, not being very sympathetic towards her husband's mom dying. She's just like, uh, spread her ashes. <laughs> Gabby really said, she was a simple woman. Like, bring her back to her roots. <laughs> <laughs> Susan goes over to Brie and Lynette with the envelope that she got from Mike. And then Edie jogs on over. And I noticed this was another scene of them standing around talking, and I wanted to get your take on it. This one didn't bother me as much because it felt more natural for them standing around and talking. And in this scene, we briefly see Edie's latest, I don't want to say lover even, but her latest significant other, Bill. That's it. We see him. Hi, Bill. (laughs) Yeah, hey, Bill. And then... Kind of it. And then they just chat about the envelope and and yeah. Susan's like, no, I'm not going to open it. Me, 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 me. Just how does curiosity not get the best of you? I would rip that thing open immediately. The moment it arrived, yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. I'd want to know. Like, everything you need to know is just written down and you're not going to open it? That's willpower I don't have. I'm shocked that Susan has it. Me too. Me too. She's stronger than she appears. Gabby goes to the hospital because she's just like, hey, I'm just wondering, like, how did Juanita die? And it's Nurse Hazel who was there. And she's like, 
so timid. She goes, oh, oh, do, do you do you want her stuff? And she goes, no. And then you can see, like, the hospital lawyer is, like, watching the nurse talk. And, like, obviously, like, you can see that they rehearsed something. So he's, like, nodding, like, telling her what to say. And she goes, oh, she died alone. And Gabby's like, so she didn't say anything to anybody before she died. And she goes, no. And she goes, great. And then that's when she's like, oh, do you want all her belongings? She goes, no, throw it away. Like, there was a picture in there. Carlos would have wanted that stuff. Definitely. Like, that was the last of his mother's thing. It probably was stuff from their house. Yeah, most likely. Um, And then Susan has a flat tire because, of course, she does. That's classic Sue. And Bill comes over and who we just met, who went on a date with Edie. And he starts hitting on Susan because... You're just a man. It's You're just, just what a you do. And I said, Susan loves blue collar workers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is a very astute observation. Like Carl's a lawyer, right? Yes, he's a lawyer. We know this. Um, but I guess she's so traumatized by high powered career individuals that now she's going for plumbers and contractors. I was actually thrown off momentarily because I guess I I looked away during the first introduction of Bill and then I looked at the screen and I was like, that man is so attractive. Who is that? But it was just the guy from several scenes prior. That and also he's very like kind of forgettable in the way he looks like all the other men on this show. So it's just like, who are you again if you – kind of missed on that last scene yeah and he's very insistent about wanting to take her to lunch and she's like no I'm okay I just got out of a weird thing and Bill's like I'm just asking you to have a burrito and also she's like didn't you date Edie and he's like yeah I don't really (laughs) care and she's like oh okay which difference between men and women listen this neighborhood is tiny okay there's gonna be overlap as we see on this show there is so much overlap so much overlap (laughs) so then we get to Tom and Lynette's dinner with Alyssa and her husband and her husband whenever Alyssa can't like read his lips he's just going off and trashing her in their marriage yeah that's exactly what I wrote that he's going off about their counseling and for him to say When Lynette's like, are you sure you should be saying all this? I mean, Alyssa's right there. He's like, it's okay. It's not like she can hear. My jaw dropped. I know. I remembered the storyline pretty well when I saw it. So I knew that was coming. But I feel like, would Lynette be this upset about a husband trash talking his wife for a hearing woman? I, I think she would. Yeah. But. It just felt like so performative. Like. It's swooping in like a savior of sorts. Yeah. That's. Okay. That's how to. That's a good way to put it. Like it feels like she's coming in as a savior because this woman cannot hear. When in which she still has a working brain. Yeah. (laughs) And she can still communicate effectively. After the couple leaves, Tom and Lynette are discussing their dinner. And Lynette is basically telling Tom what happened and Tom was like oh this is really nice and he's like he taught me how to sign and he signs like I love you and she just goes yeah that's great anyway I was like that's so me (laughs) she's like yeah okay whatever like stop 
but I liked Tom in this episode a lot. I liked him in that scene. Yes, Tom was rather endearing this time around, which is not something we can frequently say for him. So Andrew's in his room, and I said, I bet that room smells really bad. Um, just like teenage like, boy. I could smell teenage boy looking in that scene. I was like, this is disgusting, seeing how much weed he smokes. Probably barely showers. Like, I was gagging thinking about Brie going into that room. I don't even know how this begins. She just comes in and he starts fully disrespecting her and kicks her. And Rex is, like, lurking in the corner. And he goes, don't you ever disrespect your mother ever again. And I was like, okay, finally. Finally, we see Rex show an ounce of respect for Brie. Here's the thing. It took 17 episodes, but we got to see it. My jaw dropped during this scene. My note is, Rex finally does something in all caps. I wonder if it's his kooky medication that's turned him into a decent husband for one episode. Probably. No, I wrote in all caps, he kicks Brie. And Rex throws hands. Yes. Finally. I don't think he really understood how bad the disrespect was because he wasn't seeing it. And now that he sees it, he's like, okay. Yeah. That's really bad. Rex goes in on Andrew. Yeah. As he should. And Andrew, for, you know, for good reason, thinks his dad is going to side with him because he's seen how Rex has disrespected him. Interesting. He's seen how Rex disrespects his mom. So he thinks he can do the same. And now that Rex sees it being reflected, then he's upset. So he created these problems. What a great point you make, Christy. Rex has set the example and Andrew has simply followed. And now that Rex is seeing it firsthand played out, oh, now it's a problem. It's like you're my mirror, my mirror staring back at me. And in the next scene, we see Susan jog up to Edie. And she's kind of like, hey, what's the deal about Bill? Because he asked me out. And I just wanted to know if, like, it was okay with you if I go out with him. And Edie was like, no, you don't have my permission. My my main note here says, Susan, let this one go. <laughs> me too. I was like, just, you're just getting on Edie's good side. I love seeing them as friends. Yes. You don't like this guy. Like, you just don't. You don't care about him. You just want a distraction i did write that this is you and me coded because (laughs) because susan is like oh like do you do you like him Edie?" and Edie's like no i just said no so don't do it (laughs) (laughs) no exactly it's like don't do it and susan was doing so well she's being a girl's girl first she said no because he went out with Edie and other reasons and then she's like well i wanted to check with you first but she didn't care about the answer she just checked to check Yeah, that's the problem I had. It's like, Susan, your checking wasn't even genuine. You were doing it to say you did it. And then the fact that you didn't get the answer you wanted, you still went off and did the thing that you wanted. (laughs) Like, Yeah, that was was bad of her. What do you think Edie's birth chart is? I think she's a Leo son. Yes. I, I think she's a Cancer rising. I think she has Scorpio in there. Scorpio moon, Cancer rising. I think she's secretly, because I'm a Cancer rising, so oh. I think she doesn't come off. Like, she, she's like, oh, I don't care, I don't care. But I think she does care. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I thought Cancers were more emotional. They are. 
but that just don't don't reflect it well for me i'm an aquarius see i have a very guys if you want to know my birth chart <laughs> um if we have any astrology little criminals um astrologers have told me that i have a very fascinating birth chart because i'm an aquarius sun which is like okay, leave me alone. I don't care about anything. Uh, do not perceive me. Like, I just want to do my own thing. Leo Moon, which is perceive please give me, me attention. <laughs> perceive me. I want to be on stage. Cancer Rising, which is like very emotional. And I think that's why I'm so balanced and not mentally ill <laughs> because I just have a balance. It just like all kind of evens itself out. So I feel like she's something similar to me. So after Susan and Edie's bad conversation, we get to Juanita's funeral, and it's a lot. I just said this is a very Latin funeral. I've only been to Latin funerals. I've only been to one funeral. Really? I think about it. Yeah. I went to my great-grandma's funeral when I was like three, but I don't remember it. And then I went to my uncle's funeral a few years ago in Puerto Rico. What about your grandma on your mom's side? forgot about that one christy you were like close with her oh yeah i just blocked it out but um my uh <laughs> my uncle's funeral was exactly like this like we all i don't know if it's a catholic thing or if it's a latino thing i think it's a latino thing but they do comment on it being a catholic service yeah Maybe it's a Latino Catholic. My family had like a huge crypt as well. Oh, wow. So I was like, wow, it's like I've been there. And then we see Susan talking about Bill at the funeral to Julie. And Julie goes, I'm going to mourn now. Yeah, Susan, (laughs) it's not the time or the place. (laughs) So they get to see where Juanita is going to be buried and Carlos has gotten a Full, huge crypt and Gabby's like okay enough is enough like we don't have a lot of money right now you cannot spend this much money so they like run off to argue and then nobody knows what to do because they're probably the only Latin family in Fairview <laughs> so everybody kind of starts following them and then Brie goes follow the body everybody follow the body you know what that reminded me of me on um, Sn- Smuggler's Run when the fire alarm we were at disneyland the fire alarm goes off in line (laughs) and i saw the extent of human stupidity in that line because the fire alarm is fully blaring nobody's moving and i go guys the exit's right there okay and nobody moves i i am going to defend the stupid people of smugglers run line (laughs) the ride itself the queue has lots of these alarm sounds and just sound effects that sort of blended with what could have been a fire alarm. So by the time there was an actual fire alarm, we were all deeply confused and we didn't know if it was part of the ambiance. For sure. And I get that because I was too for a moment. But, you know, then I saw the actual fire alarm blinking. And that's when I realized this wasn't, you know, I, I started putting pieces together so I, I think I was the one who opened the exit door. You were. Yeah, I was like, guys, this way. And three people followed me. And that were my friends. <laughs> we were the three Nobody people. else. 
No one else followed me. So if you were in line on Smuggler's Run on October 30th in the afternoon, you're stupid. Anyway. Yeah. So then Gabby. (laughs) Sorry, guys. So they're fighting and Gabby's like, you need to take the plea deal. I'm not living like this. She's right. Yeah. Like he's so he's still like, this isn't my fault. This isn't my fault. You like to spend money. It's like you. You hired slave labor. He you go is to being jail. Selfish. He's being Take selfish. Take eight for months no in jail. Come yes. On. And you know what, Carlos? It'll build character. Did Did Andrew go to Juanita's funeral? I didn't see him there. I think Bree Imagine, was the only one. No, Danielle was there. Danielle was? Because Dan- I saw Danielle in this episode. She had no lines. She was a featured extra. So after the funeral, Lynette and Tom are playing tennis with evil husband and the wife and I can't ever I can't remember their name sorry Alyssa but, um, and Dennis Alyssa and Dennis and he's just like every time she's not looking he's like oh bad serve you're terrible this woman sucks and then at this point I think I think Lynette would have said this about anybody and she goes up to him she's like you can't talk to your wife that way that's not okay like if this marriage isn't working just get a divorce basically what she says and good for her. She's standing up for women. She's trying to, at least. Yeah, she's one one step for Lynette, <laughs> half a step for womankind. <laughs> Listen, Desperate Housewives super fans, I have tried to explain this scene three times now, and thrice I was thwarted because I had the order wrong in my notes. But in this scene, we see Bill kind of putting a temporary fix on Susan's tire. And he's like, you got to get this thing fully repaired, like at the shop. Uh, Don't waste time because it's not going to last. And she's like, okay, want to come inside? Idiot. Like, please don't. Like, just don't have. There's so many other men. Like, I get it. You love Mike and you want a distraction. But. Go for somebody who didn't date Evie. And you know what? That might be a small pool. But not this recent. I know. (laughs) Susan. Susan. Like, she clearly did like him. Susan, do a puzzle, okay? Read a romantic novel. There are other ways for you to get some of this pent-up energy out. You know, Susan rubbed Mike in Edie's face before because they were both trying to get him. And like now that you're front, like maybe consider that she really liked Mike too. So just let her have this one. But I know this really bothered me. (laughs) It really made me mad. Half a step for Susan, zero steps for womankind. (laughs) Negative steps. Yeah, walking backwards. backwards. Walking backwards. (laughs) And, yeah, he's like, let's go to dinner. And she goes, okay, sure. She doesn't care about this man at all. No, she doesn't. So she could have gone with any other man. Then we get Carlos doing the right thing. Gabby walks in, and he is making an emergency list for her because he's like, yeah, I'm going to take the plea bargain, so you need to have information on all the important stuff. I wrote that finally he's starting to man up but he says it's not without strings. And honestly, I don't think this condition is terrible considering (laughs) it's only eight months, but he's like, you need to be here when I get out. And she's like, yeah, of course. And then he's like, 
no, Edie, uh, no, not Edie. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, Gabby, I want you to be faithful while I'm gone. I'm a very jealous and possessive man, so I need to hear you say it. And she's like, okay. <laughs> no, the different inflection in her voice, I was like an Emmy. Because he's yeah. like, you need to be here to get back. And she goes, of course. And then he goes, no affairs. She goes, okay. Yeah. Like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think it was it was absurd for him to have to verbalize that. <laughs> I think he, it was well warranted. I also really liked how this was told to us and how it was presented, like just him cutting to like just writing up the things. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. I think that was a good way to – I'm taking a lot of notes as a writer. Yeah, as, it was well done. As we progress on this show. Then Bree and Rex go to wake up Andrew in the middle of the night and go to the delinquent camp. And what's so wild to me is like that this isn't like a TV trope because I feel like I've seen this in another show, but this is genuinely what they do for these camps Yeah, is like they just have men wake somebody up in the middle of the night. So they have these two big oh, men so grab <laughs> But he's like, you can't. You're not going to take me alive. You're not going to take me alive. And then he's like, mommy, mommy, please, please help me. And she just steps up close to him and he spits in her face. I get, I forgot this happened. I yeah. thought he was going to be like, please, mommy, no, please, mommy, no. But he goes, I know this was your idea. Like, he, his dad still can do no wrong to him. Yup, yup. I wrote F. Andrew. And Bree's reaction to this is to just kind of, like, cup his face and be like, I will always love you. Which is so bone-chilling in that moment. Yeah, because if my kid did that... I, they would never hear from me again. I'd be like, I'm sorry I ever birthed you. <laughs> I'm putting you out on the street or dropping well. you off <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I well. can't wait. Oh, I, know, I know, I know, um, My other note for this scene says, things are actually okay between Brie and Rex. New writer? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote Brie and Rex are unit now. Yeah, it's giving They're like, all right. But sometimes like in family emergencies, you know. Because he only moved back in because um, Andrew ran over Juanita. So what I'm getting now is that Andrew is the common enemy. Yes. Like, if he just didn't run over a woman, as Bree said, <laughs> then they would have just... I'm thinking about that scene when she's like, what is the proper punishment for a teenager who runs over a woman? <laughs> Um, if he just didn't run over her, maybe they would have just gotten divorced and he would have just stayed out of sight yeah. and not moved back in. And then we would never have met George. <sighs> <laughs> in the next scene, we get Marley Matlin wanting to talk to Lynette. She is mad and she has her daughter uh, translate because she's so overflowing with emotion that all she can do is sign. And the daughter is translating everything to Lynette and it's not like super appropriate because it's all about Dennis is leaving me and this is all your fault why did you think I needed help you shouldn't have told him to divorce me and gosh it it did make me really sad to see what Lynette thought were good intentions completely crumble I could only think about how this girl is Julie 2.0 and I think that she <laughs> and Julie need to have a support group 
for kids who parent their parents. Yes, and then Alyssa and Susan can be sent off to do their own thing and reflect on their behavior. Yeah, I think that really needs to happen because this poor girl, I'm like, wow, she has so much childhood trauma knowing way too much about her parents' marriage. Yeah, and Lynette pulls Alyssa aside and she's like, are you sure you're wa- you want your daughter to have all this information? And she's like, now you're telling me how to parent? Like, Lynette cannot win with her. No, but I, Lynette... No good with good intentions. Let's such, such roads, roads always lead. I am no good you to look up the lyrics one time. I will buy you a lyric book. <laughs> I will type the lyrics out for you. Please. God. <laughs> when they cast me, I'll know them. Such roads with good intentions are roads. Such roads always lead. You know how convincing your Adina Menzel impression would be if you actually knew the words to any song she's ever sung. I want. I need to learn her damsel in distress song. That's really randomly on the Desperate Housewives soundtrack yep. that I didn't know existed. Yep. That's like the when we found out that that existed. Oof! Great day for a great day for Desperate Housewives super fans. <laughs> And Wicked Fan. I gasped. And you know what? That's the bridge between Desperate Housewives and Wicked. If I may, Invisible String. It is the Invisible String. And the Invisible String tied us to both shows. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted Damsel in Distress to be our intro song so bad, but when I asked my clearance oomphies at Disney, I walked over to their desk. I was like, how much, like, do you think Disney could give me a discount? And they were like, Thirty thousand dollars a week. A week, probably. Yeah, with my with like being nice and giving me a discount because I'm internal. It's like you're gonna be paying like thirty thousand dollars. Thirty thousand. Yeah. So in the next scene, <laughs> we see Susan out on her date with Bill. My note is, girl, she's just. Mike, 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 Mike. And who can blame her? But who shows up in the middle of things? Edie Britt. And she fully declares war on Susan. She's like, I have been trying to be your friend. I have been trying to be nice to you. And look what you did. And Team Edie. Because, Edie's right. Yeah. She's very, very correct in this situation. And then Edie's like, I know being with her is punishment enough and you know what she was right because she's just been talking about mike the whole time so he was probably like yeah this was a mistake yeah well bill that's the thing too bill she said no like three times the first time you asked and you pushed (laughs) yeah and he goes yeah and then he had the audacity first of all he did gag her a little bit he was like you invite drama in are you kidding that's so true been talking about like all this stuff is, could have been avoided. And then he's like, why didn't you just tell me that Edie would have freaked out? And she was like, well, I said no. Like, she did say no many times. And I think if somebody says no to you twice, three times maximum, maybe you should just let it go and he wouldn't. So that's on you, my man. Bill, there are other women on the lane. Yeah. You were on a date with Edie Britt, who is a beautiful woman. Like, she's talented and funny. Why couldn't you just be happy on your date with Edie Britt? I'm sure he had a better time. Yeah. With Susan. Just going, Mike, 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 Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. Mike, 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 Mike,
<laughs> and then they go, they drive home. Why was Susan driving on the date? Nobody should let like. Susan I guess it was drive. the point with the whole tire, but I'm like, he should be. You're the man. You should be driving the car. That's sick. Do not make a woman drive a car. Right. Women are terrible drivers. Women are terrible drivers. <laughs> we should not be allowed to drive. We. You know how good it would be for the economy if every single woman was chauffeured in the country yes. was chauffeured. We had a government appointed man to drive <laughs> us around. Women, gays, and theys get self-appointed men. <laughs> Let's pitch it. I'm going to go to the Supreme Court. I'm going to write like a petition.org. And if we get over 100,000 signatures, it'll have to be addressed by the White House. First of all, we're going to go to change.org, and then we'll, we'll strike That's up that I meant. petition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so they run off the road. <laughs> And um, he's like, you didn't get that tire fix. And she's like, maybe I do love drama. There it is. Comes the dawn, Susie Q. But at least she's willing to accept when she's wrong. Finally. She accepts her flaws. She's like, okay, yeah. We get Tom and Lynette in bed. And Lynette is just like, Tom, am I a bad person? And this made me feel really bad for Lynette because I don't think she is a bad person. Yeah, I don't have many notes for this because I was bored with Tom and Lynette once again. I need some drama and some excitement, but... We'll get there. And then Gabby has a meeting with the hospital lawyer we saw earlier. Again, amazing example of the writer's no context. Immediately we knew who this man was and they did not have to say any words. We were like, okay, obviously he's the hospital lawyer the way he's like looking at the nurses. So it's the hospital lawyer, Gabby, and Nurse Hazel, who's, like, sitting there sobbing. And in so many words, the lawyer is, like, so Juanita wrongfully died. We're going to give you a lot of money for your silence. And, you know, he's so lucky that this happened to Gabby because if this was anybody else, they'd freak out. She didn't even ask any questions. She was just like, okay, give me the money. Yep. And in the next scene, she's calling Carlos's lawyer. I never noticed this, but she basically says how much they offered her. Because she's like, let's say I won the lottery and I won $1.6 million. What do I do? And I thought that was a very good one. I never noticed that they gave us the amount. Because most TV shows, they never tell you, like, how much. But, yeah, they offered her $1.6 million. Oh, my God. In those days, that was a lot. I mean, that was – it. This isn't a show from the 50s. That was still a lot today. It's still a lot of money for a hospital to give. It would it would go so quickly today. Yeah, that is true. That's crazy to say that a million dollars would go quickly. Yeah. But in, with her lifestyle, like, that's not going to last long. Like, if we were given a million dollars right now, it would last a while. You think? But if I was given one million dollars with my expenses and – the way I live, yeah. I, I think it would last me a co- – I could live off a million dollars for maybe a year or two years. Did you just hear yourself? <laughs> okay, maybe like five years. <laughs> you just said a million dollars isn't a lot of money. Yeah, and you just said it is and you could last for a year or two. 
Do you think a year is a long time? Well, I wouldn't want to be unemployed living off of a, a fixed amount for I more would. than a year. I wouldn't. I get so bored. See, that's where we differ. <laughs> you would last like six months because you'd spend it all. That's not true. I would put aside, I would put aside a hundred thousand for my rent. I would invest a little bit, put some in savings, and I don't know what I would do with that much money. I just wouldn't work is the thing. So when Gabby is like on the phone with her lawyer being like, let's say I won the lottery. Would I have to wait till before or after Carlos goes to jail? I don't understand why she couldn't just tell the lawyer, hey, the hospital offered me this settlement because of this really shady thing that just happened. Should I wait until before or after Carlos commit indicts himself? Like, why did she have to make up the story about winning the lottery? I think because... They are Carlos's lawyers, not hers. So they're mm-hmm. looking out for Carlos's best interest, technically. Yeah. But, but yeah, but that's still, that would be both of their money. So what's the difference without saying, like, like, why did she have to make up a story about winning the lottery versus being, like, the hospital did something bad and offered me silent money? I just think if it's anything legal, it's, it's too dicey. Like, I I would probably say the same thing if I were her. Legal system's corrupt in this country. Anyway, so that was the episode. I said on my last two notes are Danielle was decor, decor, and um, (laughs) decor, and the whole, like, heroes theme. Also, Susan returns Mike's letter, which was made me sad. I didn't think the heroes theme particularly came through, to be honest. Not as much as, like, the guilt or... The other one did, but it we saw it with Lynette trying to be like a hero, like that, and then and then Susan. But I didn't really see it particularly in Brie or Gabby's storylines. Oh no, maybe Carlos being like, "I'm gonna step up and go to jail." Maybe it's I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of a stretch. This episode left me wanting something, and I don't quite know what it was. Maybe it was a little more action. Hmm. I get that. I don't know. I I didn't feel any which way about it. I didn't think it was like one of the standouts of the season, but yeah. it definitely forwarded Carlos and Gabby's story. Yes. And um I think it was kind of just a Carlos and Gabby episode of, and 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 Brie and Rex. It's the Carlos and Gabby Brie and Rex show <laughs> for once. Well, Desperate Housewives super fans slash little criminals, thank you for joining us once again. Come back next week and do not forget to follow us on social media. We changed our TikTok handle, Summer, if you want to take it away. Yes, we are now, we are going to tell across the board on TikTok and Instagram. So go follow us. Patreon coming soon. Actually, we're going to be launching our Patreon very soon with, um, we're going to start off with the Terry Hatcher, James Denton Hallmark movie. So we're going to be recapping that. So we will let you know when that's up because it's a Christmas movie. So it's going to inspire us to actually do that. Just in time for the holiday season. Just in time. All right. Until next week, I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is... We know what you did.
it makes us sick. We're going to tell. Bye bye now. <laughs>